0: Hello listeners, welcome back to Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries' Unity in Christ program. If this is your first time listening, my name is Christine Kim and I'm the host of this program. When I see the cartoon shows children watch these days on TV, I think about how much they have improved since the days I used to watch cartoons. The quality of everything is incomparable from back in the day. But one thing I still find to be the same is the content and the message of the show. Boys will always love superhero shows that have superpowers such as Superman or Spider-Man, and girls will always have an interest for fairy tale shows with princesses. For example, there are movies about a small boy who one day turns into a strong robot. Or a young poor girl in the town meets a prince and becomes a princess who is able to live in the kingdom. When I was young watching these movies, I dreamed about becoming the girl in the movie. I wanted to live in a big castle where beautiful dresses every day with a golden crown have maids cook and clean for me and live a life happily ever after. These same plots are also expressed for movies and shows for adults as well. Regardless of what it is, it attracts people's attention. It may be because our inner beings dream to be like that, to have a better life as we see on television. There's a famous movie that most of us might have heard of titled Pretty Woman. The protagonist of this movie was not well-educated, poor, and eventually lives as a prostitute but one day she meets this wealthy man and falls in love. I remember watching with great interest how the life of this woman changes into a high-class elite that we all have once dreamed of. I remember wanting to be in her shoes as her clothes and appearance change and her behavior change as well, all to what is suitable into an upper-class elite. But there is something much better and and incomparable than the status change of the little boy who turns into a superhero with supernatural powers or the poor little girl who turns into a princess or a prostitute who meets a wealthy man and all of a sudden lives a glamorous life. And this is the change of our lives. What kind of status changes has occurred in our lives? We'll come back to share more after our first song. It tells us in the scriptures of Romans chapter 6 verse 6-7 that we were once slaves to sins, knowing this that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. What is the status of a slave? A slave cannot live however they please, they don't live by what they want to do, but have to live in obedience to their masters, whether they like it or not. If you are a slave to sin, then this means because you are tied down to the weights of sin, you cannot live in freedom to how you want. This was our status when we were slaves to sin. As slaves to sin, we had no choice but to live by the desires of our own flesh. Even though sin directed our lives into darkness, we had no control to reject it. This may seem like we lived a life in which we controlled, but actually, as we were once slaves to sin, we were living in submission to sin. To express this a bit differently, sin controlled our lives like a king, which meant it ruled over us. And because of the sin, we had no choice but to be judged by God, and the end result of that ultimately led to death. This is what we once were. There was only one way for us to escape this life, which was for us to die. The Bible clearly tells us that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. And through Christ, we live with a new status. The work that Jesus has done for us, to die on the cross to wash away all of our sins, means that He has changed the status of our lives. Who were once slaves to sin, enemies of God, People who were once the subject of God's judgment have now been changed to the children of God. And what was the reason for all of this to happen? Christ's steadfast love for us because of His grace.
1: My chains are
2: Up next is a sermon by Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Today's topic is studying 1 John, part 2, based on 1 John chapter 5. I hope you have a blessed time with Pastor Mark. For there are
3: three that bear witness: the Spirit and the Water and the Blood, and the three are in agreement. If we receive the witness of man, The witness of God is greater. In a court, you know, you receive the witness of, you know, you you listen to two or three witnesses and you make your decision based on the testimony of those witnesses. If we receive the witness of, of people, he's saying, the witness of God is even greater, right? No problem. For the witness of God is this, that he has borne witness concerning his son. The one who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has not believed the witness that God has borne concerning his son. And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is found where? In his son. He, read with me, he who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. And so the scripture is saying very clearly that God's witness through the Holy Spirit's work through Jesus at his at his baptism where God said this is my beloved son you listen to him through Jesus resurrection through his sacrifice God is testifying to us saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven there is no other way I'm just going to say this again because the more we hear it even though it's repetition even though I share with you things, maybe they sound repetitive. You know, that's really one of the ways we learn. And when a friend says something, this the Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind and you'll have something to share. But when people say, well, I think that's too narrow of you to believe, you say, yes, Jesus being the only way is a narrow way. And we do believe that Jesus is the only way, but Jesus says he will save anyone who comes to him. So Christianity is very exclusive. Can you remember that? Say exclusive, exclusive, and you say, oh, you know, I don't know, I don't know. No, it is. Jesus says, I'm the only way to God. I'm the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The only way is Jesus. It's very exclusive, but Jesus is very inclusive, to use a PC term. Jesus is very inclusive in that he says, whoever will come to me, I'll never cast away. If you'll come to me, Jesus says, I will receive you, and I will forgive you all of your sins. I'll give you eternal life. I'll give you a brand new life. I'll take away the guilt that's been weighing you down. I'll fill the emptiness and loneliness in your heart with my presence and peace. Now, that is a phenomenal thing. And people aren't going to be able to argue with you. You'll be able to say, no, Christianity, yes, we are exclusive. Because nobody else ever predicted their own death, burial, and resurrection. Nobody on earth ever rose from the dead. Nobody else changed history and has changed lives for over 2,000 years besides Jesus Christ. And it's, yeah, it is exclusive, but it's for the whole world and there are believers all over the world trusting in Christ. So, we just have to be kind of very, very comfortable in our own armor, brothers and sisters, and don't cave in to the idea that, well, maybe there is another way, maybe that does sound a little bit like you're, you're narrow-minded. Well, if the only way out is, is the fire escape, use it. And don't say, well, there are other doors. They won't lead out, right? I mean, exit... That's the only way out. And if there was only one exit and something happened, we need to get out of here. And you, people will say, well, you don't have to. That's not the only way. I will say, well, you're right. There are other ways, but that's the only way out. And that's the only way out of this world is Jesus Christ. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may what? Know that you have eternal life. Now that has just become part of me. You know, it is now part of my being, this verse. I don't doubt my salvation. I don't worry about my salvation. I can read 1 John, which is kind of a, hey, a a test for a believer to take and say, well, do you wanna know what the basic requirements for being a Christian are? You wanna know how a Christian looks? So you can tell, am I really a believer? Okay, 1 John, we've read it. These things I've written that you may know That you have eternal life. And once you've read it and once you've realized, yeah, the seed of eternal life really has taken root and is growing in my life, you don't have to worry anymore. Relax and grow on with the Lord. And it isn't the attitude, let me quickly add, it isn't the attitude that, well, now I'm saved, it doesn't matter how I live, because nobody who's really saved thinks like that. And I keep having to say things like that because there are people who think that. Anybody who's really saved wants to live for the Lord, and you hate it when you sin. You're not sinning to get better, and let me see if I can do that better, and let me see better, faster, faster, faster. You know, you're not trying to get better at it. You're trying to get rid of it. Amen. That's the way it is. Now. Speaking of confidence, he says, we've got the confidence of salvation. We are saved. We know we're saved. And then we can have some confidence coming before God. Verse 14, and this is a confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, he kind of talked about that already uh, in chapter 3, verse 19, when he said, we shall know by this that we are of the truth, chapter 3, 19, and shall assure our heart before him, In whatever our heart, now I'm in 320, in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Confidence for what? Confidence to ask God for things. Verse 22, and whatever we ask, keep on asking for, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. In other words, you are not we're not living like disobedient kids disobedient kids don't have the confidence to come boldly and ask mom or dad for something when they know they're doing things that are displeasing in mom and dad's sight because mom and dad are going to say like I said a while back forget it kiddo you go back and do what I told you to do first right don't come out of here is your room clean Uh, no but I was wondering if I could go over to my friend's house anyway What are you going to say? Let me tell you what you should say. You don't even have to read Dr. Spock, okay? Dr. Spock, where did that come? My mom raised me on him. Star Trek, I guess. You're going to say, you go back and you clean your room like I told you to, and then we'll talk about you going over to your friend's house or something. You see, it's just basic obedience. That's just learning to live in the family of God. Basic obedience, learning to live and do what pleases God. So, When we know that we're saved and we're walking in the way that pleases the Lord, he says, Man, you're going to have confidence. And you can have confidence. Verse 14 of 1 John 5, verse 14. And this is a confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that if we have the requests which we have asked from him now i know people who have used verse 15 apart from verse 14 and you cannot just pull 15 out and say you know like write it down on a card and say this is the promise that that we know that he hears us in whatever we ask we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him you just can't it's not it's it's like taking a phrase out of a a letter or an email that somebody emails you and and take it out of context that according to his will is in the text yes so well that's a lack of faith it's not a lack of faith it's Christian living I wished I'd get everything I asked for but there is this condition thing to prayer isn't my little lamp that I rub and if I rub it just right in faith God comes out and says no what do you want my son I will grant you three wishes today that's not that's not the Christian faith You, you got the wrong religion I don't know what you're looking for but it's not Christianity Christianity says there is this thing about the will of God now there's that Should that knock down, should that shoot out of the air our faith, our confidence in God? No way. You're his child. Come and ask. You can ask for things that people who aren't children of God couldn't ask. They couldn't even get in the door. God's going to let you come right in and onto his lap, right onto daddy's lap, and you can say, daddy, I really would like an ice cream cone right now. Now, it may depend on timing in the will of our Father in heaven. He says, well, dinner is in about an hour. He may think, oh, I'm going to do that this evening for you. Already had an ice cream sundae. We're going to have a root beer float, whatever, tonight. You see, it's not that will of God isn't always negative. I mean, sometimes the will of God is preventative. God keeps you from getting into a situation that's really bad. We laugh when we go to our high school reunions and we see that guy, that gal that... Oh, we prayed, oh, God, please, please let me marry them. Oh, Lord, please, that's the one. Oh, oh, oh. And now we look at them as, and we're thinking, oh, whoa. Thank you, God, for not answering my prayer. Thank you. Thank you for your will, Lord. Thank you. Oh, you know, and, and there's been many other things like that that happen in our lives. And we look back and we say, oh, praise God for his will. Whew. Right? So it's don't look at the will of God in a negative sense. Look at it in a good sense as something that is uh, always going to be something that God will do the best for us. As far as it being a lack of faith to be in the will of God, let me just say, what would take more faith to be in the will of God, and maybe you're going through... financial difficulty for three years to be in the will of God and you're staying faithfully with the Lord and you're going through chemotherapy treatment you're staying in the will of God and you're going through a very difficult separation or divorce your partner has left you and yet you aren't gonna run off and disobey God you're not gonna go and and walk back to the world side of things because Your life is falling. You're going to hang in there with the Lord. What takes more? That or just thinking that you'd get whatever you want? Well, I think it takes more faith to hang in there with the Lord with rough times. So don't tell me it's a lack of faith in somebody's life because they're going through a difficult time in their life. They probably have more faith than you've ever thought of having in your entire life, walking through the rough times with Jesus. So... I mean, it really is something to think about before you ever say anything like that about somebody. They just don't have enough faith. Oh, you know, what if the Lord put you in their situation right now? Would you be doing as well with all your faith? You know? So we have to be very careful with those kind of words. And I think generally the people haven't lived very long that say those kind of things. Uh, Verse 16 if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death he shall ask and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death there is a sin that leads to what death I do not say that he should make a request for this now he's not talking about murder He's not talking about adultery or blasphemy in this sin. David and Paul both had been complicit in murders, hadn't they, and had the Lord forgiven them? Yes. And I think of David again with adultery and the woman caught in adultery, both forgiven by the Lord, and blasphemy. Again, Paul was a blasphemer, and yet the Lord forgave him. In the context, the sin is, is that of rejecting God's witness concerning his son, willfully rejecting the Spirit's witness to the power and the work of Christ. He's talking about the impardonable sin is what he's talking about. The impardonable sin is dying, rejecting Jesus, rejecting the Lord and dying in that state. You have blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit has brought up the testimony of his, the testimony of the Spirit, the water and blood, and you have said, no, I will not believe. And you've you've said that so much that you don't get another chance. Now, how many chances do people get to believe in Jesus? One, two, ten. How many did you have before you've received Jesus? Um... Maybe some of you haven't received Jesus yet. I don't know. How many more will you have? Well, who knows? The thing is, the Bible never talks about tomorrow and salvation. It always talks today about today and salvation. And so that today is the appointed time. And he says, look, if, if you see somebody committing a sin that is unto death, you're not going to be able to pray for them to be saved from that because they've made their decision and that's the way they're going to go. When does that happen? I don't know exactly. Well, verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. So the sin not leading to death would be there's all sorts of things that a believer might do, and the Lord will forgive. We read about that in 1 John 1, 8, 9. But if you die in a state, uh, denial of Christ, you're never going to come to Christ, you say, I'm never going to believe in Jesus Christ, you won't be saved. Nobody automatically gets into heaven. You have to call on the Lord to be saved. Now, verse 18, we know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We know, again, that we're not going to keep on sinning if we love the Lord. He's just kind of wrapping up what he's taught us. That's what he's saying. He's saying, but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, but we're kept in God and Satan cannot touch us. Verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding in order that we might know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And then I would end there, but then he says He throws in verse 21, read with me. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Hmm, interesting way to end. Why does he end like that? Because there's all sorts of things that can try to draw your attention away from what he said is, this is the true God. This is truth as it is in Jesus. Don't let anything pull you away from that. Besides the obvious application, of don't bow down to any idols. And this time in the church history, Christians were being persecuted. All they had to do was drop a little incense on an idol and they would be exonerated. They could go and they wouldn't be martyred. They wouldn't be thrown to the lions. All they had to do was maybe just bow their heads before an image of Caesar. And he's saying, look, don't do that. Don't do that. You stand straight and tall you refuse to bow your knees to anyone but the living and the true God but make sure you do that because there's only one sin that can't be forgiven and that's the sin that we don't let the Lord forgive I was raised in a church that taught us that if we didn't confess every single sin we'd be lost well that's an impossibility because my memory isn't good enough to do that so it's not an unconfessed sin that will cause you to be lost, but it's not believing in Jesus.
4: My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood And righteousness I did not trust The sweetest frame But wholly trust In Jesus' name Christ alone Cornerstone Weak made strong
0: You're now with Unity in Christ, powered by Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries in Phoenix, Arizona. We want to hear from you. If you have any comments or testimony that you want to share with us, please email it to askhsgm at gmail.com. Now you can find all the programs of Heart and Soul on podcasts. You can easily play this week's or past week's program, or even download them on your device in just a few minutes. Search for Heart and Soul at your iTunes stores now. There are people who gave up their lives in honor of Christ who gave us our everlasting life. Continued is a story of the many people who endured their life with faith, titled The Voice of the Martyrs.
5: Hello listeners, this is Rhonda Walker with The Voice of the Martyrs. Some time ago, I watched a movie about the life of Peter, In the movie, there was a line that I clearly remember even now. Peter, of old age, was imprisoned by the Roman government. He was close to his martyrdom on the cross. The Roman general told Peter that he had the power to free Peter from prison if Peter would deny Christ. At this, Peter said to the Roman general, I am already free. Peter's words were right. Although Peter seemed to be a mere prisoner, only awaiting his death in the eyes of the Roman governor, Peter was already truly free through Jesus Christ. The world and our enemy, the devil, will always try to shake the faith of believers. They try to deceive believers to lose their faith in the God of salvation. The world and its ruler, Satan, even mocked Jesus when he was on the cross, trying to shake his faith towards God the Father. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself! If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross! So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. These are the words of Matthew 27 verses 38 through 44. Perhaps it is natural for the devil who tried to shake even Jesus to try to shake the faith of Christians who are following Jesus. But we should not falter in the face of such attacks. There were Christians who lived faithfully with the assurance of salvation in the face of such mockery and deception Today we will hear the story of Dune James Rike and her three children of whom the world was not worthy.
2: I am Musa James Rike, pastor of a Church of Christ in Nigeria, congregation in Kurum. I have a lovely wife, a son, and four daughters. Here in Nigeria, Christians amount to 50% of our population, but we also have Muslims that number more than 40% of our population. And among them are Islamic extremists who continue to enact terrorism upon Christians. A few days ago, here in Kurum, where we live, there was a terrorist attack by Muslim extremists. On that day, I lost my wife and three of my daughters, and my youngest daughter had just turned one. When I rushed home, my two younger daughters were already shot dead, and my oldest daughter, Sum, who was 13 years old, was cut in the stomach, bleeding extensively. The plight that was laid in front of my eyes was unbelievable. From the cut of my daughter, Sum's stomach, were intestines coming out, but Sum still had her breath. My daughter opened her mouth In the shortness of her breath, Dad, the Muslim militants came and told me they would kill me, and they said, Let's see how your Jesus will save you. So I told them, Jesus already saved me, and I will be with Jesus when I die. I held my daughter's hand until she drew her last breath, praying to our Lord that he would take care of her soul. When my daughter's soul returned to the Lord, I saw across the room my wife, who was shot, fallen on the floor. I went to my wife and held her in my arms. She also was drawing her final breath as she opened her mouth. Is this the end between us, so we shall not be together again? At my wife's words, I felt that my wife should hold on to her faith in Jesus tightly. So I held her hands and told her, Hold on to your faith in Jesus, and we shall meet and never part again. My wife held more tightly onto her faith in our Lord Jesus. And after drawing her last breath, she went to Christ.
5: On that day, the Muslim extremists that attacked the village of Quram burned over 20 houses and took 16 lives. They killed the young 13-year-old Sum and mocked her, saying, Let's see if Jesus will really save you. They tempted her and attacked her until the end for her faith to falter. But young Sum did not let go of her faith in the Lord. The world is not worthy of people like these who do not let go of their faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, stand firm on the truth of the gospel. Hold on to it until the end. The world will not be worthy of you who are in Christ. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Hebrews 3 verse 14 Thank you for listening. This was the voice of the martyrs.
6: the faucet.
0: What does it mean to become a child of God? It does not simply just end at the fact that we can go to heaven. Previously we have lived under the control of sin, but now our old self has been crucified with Christ and have been reborn again to live for God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. These are the very scriptures of Romans chapter 6, verse 11 through 14. By the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, we have been saved from death to life and have been changed as slaves of sin, and have received His grace at no single cost. Apostle Paul is telling us that we must now live a different life having received this grace. There is one thing we must remember. We did not become children of God because we have given up our lives for Him. But instead, because we are now children of God, is the reason why we must give up our lives for Him. It says in verse 13, Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. Because we have been changed, we must live as we have been changed. Because we are the children of God, we must live as the children of God. There will be times where we live by the desires of our flesh, and at times where we commit sin and fall under temptation that displeases God. But this is why God has promised us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always be with us within our hearts which we must always remember. We must live by relying on Him and putting our every thought and desires for the Spirit to control. I hope that all of our listeners may use the Word to reflect upon ourselves and may not live under the control of sin. We will now wrap up Unity in Christ. Thank you for listening, as it has been my pleasure. I hope to see you this time again next week, and God bless.
6: song there's a fire that burns inside a fire that burns inside nothing can stop us we'll be running through the night with a fire that burns inside